Look around, what do you see? Cars, lots of them. And guess what? They're probably on Auto Trader. Whether you're into timeless classics or the latest trends, did somebody say solar-powered, eco-friendly, vegan, leather-wrapped, aromatherapy-scented, disco ball-equipped, self-driving car? If you see it on the road, you can likely find it on Auto Trader. Big cars, small cars, blue cars, new cars, used cars, electric cars, and one day, maybe even flying cars. With millions of options to choose from, buying a car becomes a whole lot easier. See it. Find it. Auto Trader. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Sue. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, everybody. Chuck here for your Saturday Select. If you ever wanted to know how rabies works, we talk about it in great detail from February 9th, 2016. Give it a try, why don't you? Not rabies, that is. But this podcast episode, How Rabies Works. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh Clark. There's Charles W. Chuck Bryant with Jerry, and this is Stuff You Should Know. (laughs) You're foaming at the mouth. Jerry, don't let him bite you. All right. He bit Jerry. I'm going to have to put both of you down like old yeller. Let's do it. It's about time. I knew from day one when we started working together that this is how this would conclude. Yeah. Me me shooting both of you (laughs) because of rabies. Putting us down. Uh, Old Yeller. Wait, wait. Speaking of Old Yeller, I'm sorry. Uh Have you seen the Kids in the Hall take on Old Yeller? No. (laughs) I don't think so. Yeah. Paul makes the kid shoot the dog, and his face is sprayed with blood (laughs) from the gunshot wound. It's wonderful. Yeah, worst children's book ever. Oh, I guess we just spoiled it, huh? Everyone knows Old Yeller gets rabies and is shot. Yeah, so don't even bother emailing him. But there is a happy ending. Uh, You know, Old Yeller has pups, and they get a pup. Oh. So instead of, like, coming back as a ghost dog that, like, helps things turn out well for the family, Mm -hmm. yeah, it left a legacy in the Dawkinsian view. Right. Still the worst children's book ever, (laughs) although it teaches valuable life lessons. About death. Why you got to do that? By killing Old Yeller. Shh. I don't know, but I mean, yeah. it works. All right. Rabies. I I don't know. I thought we'd done this one. It seems like an obvious one for us. Uh, yeah. It's definitely in our wheelhouse for sure. Um, I did not know this either. It is uh, a virus on every continent in the world mm-hmm. except Antarctica. Which I think there's makes a sense. lot of viruses that hold that, that title. That aren't on Antarctica? Sure. Yeah. Inhospitable place. Yeah. And... Uh, if a virus is on every continent, chances are it's a very old one, too. And rabies yeah. definitely is. It's extremely old. Um, people have been writing about rabies for a very long time. The Mesopotamians. Who you know did, it's old if you say that word. Sure. Um, they used to have a law where if your dog was rabid, you faced a stiff penalty, a fine of sorts. We have those laws today. Sure. In the United States. I mean, a lot of our laws stem from Mesopotamia and the Code of Hammurabi. Sure. You know, like uh, if you watch somebody's house burn down uh-huh. and don't do anything, that person can kill you still today. 
just like from the code of Hammurabi. So if your neighbor's house is on fire, you have to put it out. You have to help put it out. In Mesopotamia. Yeah. Uh, so the word rabies um, in many languages means um, a rage or go crazy. Um, in Latin, uh, it is from a Sanskrit term, rabhas, to do violence. Uh-huh. And in French, uh, la rage. La rage. <laughs> it's the sexiest form of rabies. Uh, comes from the French noun robert, meaning to go mad. So if you're not picking up on it, um, it's not a friendly virus. No. It's not one that you get uh, a dog. Well, actually, we'll talk about that. I'm going to save it. And for a long time, I mean, there was nothing we could do about rabies. Yeah. Um, People went to Liege, Belgium Mm -hmm. to pray to um, St. Hubert. Yeah. That's a round name, isn't it? Yeah. St. Hubert was the patron saint of huntsmen. Okay. And uh, not quality footwear. No, and apparently, <laughs> apparently, no, that was Saint Clark. Uh, apparently, um, that was Saint Hubbins, actually. I've not heard of that. It's a spinal tap joke. You never get my spinal tap jokes. No, I need to see it more than once. Apparently, they're for the people out there. That's fine. There's like a hundred dudes. I'll that... just I'll sit here and be the straight man. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Yeah, Derek Saint Hubbins was the patron saint of uh, his ancestors, patron saint of quality footwear. Great joke. That is a good joke, man. I'm sorry. <laughs> I stepped all over it. That's all right. Um, so in Liege, you would go and pray to St. Hubert for mm-hmm. protection. Probably not the most effective way to treat rabies. No. I don't blame people for making a pil- pilgrimage to Liege. From what I understand about rabies, based on researching this, it's terrible. Yeah. It's horrific. And fatal. And it wasn't until uh, the late 19th century, 1885, when the late great Louis Pasteur... Man, this dude. He, what didn't that guy do to save the world? Yeah, we should. He's up in our line. Uh, now we have a kind of an ongoing line of like great scientists. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we will include him on the list. And we need to start acknowledging the ladies, too. So, Madam Curie. Sure. We've got our eye on you, miss. That's right. That's right. Uh, and um, anyway, so Louis Pasteur came up with a vaccine for rabies. And he was, I, he was one of the early germ theory guys. He, he was very... A prescient person. Oh yeah, his his inoculation trials were based on the idea that if you introduced some like a low level of uh, rabies to mm-hmm. a, a living being, yeah, that living being would produce antibodies, and you could introduce increasingly larger amounts over time. And eventually, the person's antibodies would be robust enough so that if they ever faced rabies in the wild, mm-hmm. they would be able to fight it off. And he was absolutely right. And yeah, the, what a crazy thing to think, though, you know? It is. When no one knows anything about germ theory, to right. think, like, why don't we put the disease in the person? Sure. Maybe that'll help cure it. Yeah. And I think I think that was around for a while, but I still yeah. think it was like some arcane knowledge that not everyone knew about. And Pasteur really capitalized Pretty on Pretty amazing. It. Um, but he actually had been working on something using rabbits as uh, test cases and was basically he proved it can work in humans by by a boy who had uh, been attacked by a dog, I think, and contracted rabies. Yeah. Um, and uh, Louis Pasteur said, here goes nothing and uh, <laughs> yeah. stuck him with the shot. And, and the parents went, here goes nothing. Right. He goes, no, nothing. And they said, well, you said this was going to work. I said, no such thing. <laughs> It's good Louis Pasteur. Thank you. It's technically that um, the 
Tex, no, the um, Chuck Jones version of Napoleon. Right. Remember when Bugs Bunny used to hang out with him? Oh, yeah. That's how I learned to do a French accent. Chuck, the great Chuck Jones. Sure. Uh, so, rabies, let's talk a little bit about what, what it does in your body. Um, it's really pretty vicious. It, it is a viral disease, like we said at the top, and it attacks the central nervous system, the brain and the central nervous system. Yeah. Um, it is part of the Rhabdoviridae. Nice. Yeah? Yeah. Family under the genus, you, you take the genus. The lysa virus. Oh, that was too easy. It was easy. Um, and it is shaped like a bullet, and when it comes in the body, it uh, basically goes as fast as it can. <laughs> like a bullet. The, to the spinal cord, yeah, um, through something called uh, afferent nerves with an A. They carry impulses toward the central nervous system right. as opposed to efferent with an E. They carry impulses away. But it uses both. So this virus yeah. travels along... Um, the neural pathways through the central nervous system, and it goes immediately to the central nervous or the spinal cord, and then up to the brain. Yeah, and in the brain, that's where it replicates. Vicious. You remember, like HIV replicates inside uh, T helper cells. Yeah. Well, rabies is a virus that replicates inside uh, your neurons, yeah. your brain cells, which is not a good place for a virus to start doing its replicating. Right. That's right. And right after it starts replicating in the brain, it makes a second stop, a very important stop, to your salivary glands. And the reason it does that is because that is the number one mechanism of transmission for rabies. Yeah, that's when you see the foaming at the mouth. Mm -hmm. It's not just a uh, uh, symptom of rabies, but that's the main way that you're going to get it is by being bitten uh, by something with uh, all kinds of nasty, rabid saliva. Right. And apparently, because this stuff is... Um, wrecking your brain by hijacking your brain cells and destroying them. There's two different versions of rabies, right? Yeah. Encephalatic, which is also known as the furious form of rabies. That's the one you think of when you think of a crazy rabid dog right. that's hallucinating and running around in circles and chasing its tail and biting at the air. Right. Um, old Yeller, basically. Although they toned it down a bit. They did because they didn't want to scare the kids. Before they shot <laughs> really and killed them. scared the kid. Yeah. Uh, and then there's a paralytic or dumb form. And that one is um, more like lapsing into a coma, basically. Right. Um, and I don't know. Surely there's no way to predict which way the, the things, the virus is going to go in a human, right? Because it's know. destroying brain cells. Yeah. I would think it would just be totally accidental Probably. whether it went toward the encephalatic or the, the um, paralytic form. That's a good question. You know, it yeah. would just depend on where it lodges first, right? Yeah, but both of the forms are in the acute stage. Um, and here's what's so scary. Once it's in the acute stage, once it's hit your central nervous system, you're done. Almost exclusively done. And we'll talk about that. That is that is the, for a very, for millennia, the, um, the, the idea behind rabies is like it was, it's a fatal disease, 100% fatal. Yeah. Except now they've started to find a few cases here or there that's not the case and it's, they're starting to wonder, okay, is this something we could treat right. after people are traditionally goners? Well, that's a great tease. So let's uh, take a break. And we'll come back right after this with more on rabies. Burning stuff with Joshua and Charles. Stuff you should know. 
something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots, the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take D.C., We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. It's an election year, so there's a lot of focus on the voters that TikTok is reaching. The initial reaction is like, oh, things are looking so resilient. I don't want to be too pessimistic, but I just don't see the political will down in Washington right now to to change their tune. I think the American electorate has been signaling that it expects a rematch of the 2020 election. These are unprecedented times. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, so we mentioned the two forms. They are both in the acute stage, and uh, apparently both stages can happen uh, in a single case. It's not necessarily one or the other. Right, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, if this region of your brain is wrecked and you're furious and raging, well, eventually it's going to get to the part of your brain where you you can't move or breathe and you slip into a coma and die of respiratory distress. Right. You know? But I also got the impression it wasn't necessarily... Like, that's the path. Like, it can right. start in the dumb stage as well. Yeah, that's right. what I'm saying. Like, it would just depend on where the vir- what part of your brain the virus goes to. It's right. got to, you know? Yeah. Um, well, something I didn't realize about rabies, Chuck, was that it's exclusive to mammals. I knew that. I didn't. Um, but I also have wondered over the years, like, why isn't, like, a rabid squirrel would be your worst nightmare, I imagine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know? Because they'll already come at you. Yeah. You know? And a rabid one would definitely come at you. One of the... <laughs> one of the um, traits of a of, or symptoms of a rabid mammal is that a wild one has no fear of humans. Yeah, they're aggressive. Right. Um, in fact, there's a case I looked up, as I often do, just in the news, and um, a little boy in New Jersey just this week was attacked by a raccoon. Oh, yeah. This raccoon leapt onto his back while he was walking down the street during the day. <laughs> and we will get to the hallmarks, but that's very important. If you see a nocturnal animal cruising around during the day mm-hmm. at great speeds, stay away. Oh, yeah. You're not supposed to see raccoons in the neighborhood during the day. Yeah, just go get your paw's BB gun. <laughs> well, I don't know about that, but call animal control, and they'll get their BB gun. Sure. Um, but, yeah, this little boy was, was this raccoon jumped on his back and started <laughs> biting his face and neck. Where did you learn to pronounce Scrat- certain words? Raccoon? Raccoon. <laughs> no, I say raccoon. That's just one of my jokes. Oh, okay. 
People don't know, though. When I said Alex Baldwin. Yeah, I know. People literally wrote in were like, does what Chuck is know? wrong with you, Chuck? Like, it's Alec. How'd you miss 30 Rock? And Alec Baldwin said, uh, I don't care. Yeah, I don't know who this Chuck is. So anyway. Um, <laughs> that was Clint Eastwood. Uh, yeah, you're right. Um, the little boy, I think, is going to be okay, which is the good news. Good. But um, it, it's, uh, well, we'll get to the rarity of it in well, the United States. Plus, he was attacked in New Jersey, which is in the U.S., which means he's going to be just fine. Right. But a uh, long way of saying that... Um, squirrels and mice and and other smaller animals typically don't get it and it makes good sense is because if they are attacked by a rabid animal mm-hmm. they're they're small and probably won't survive like they could very well get rabies every sign says they can yeah but they'll probably poor little mouse will probably just die right because if a raccoon gets its hands on a mouse and it's all over and it bites it that saliva is going to be transmitted to the wound yeah. but you also need the host to be alive for the virus to replicate in that host so exactly if their neck is broken and they're dead then that it's not going to work but yeah absolutely but they woodchucks can. you said yes you can get a woodchuck with yeah. uh, rabies Woodchucks, raccoons, apparently in the United States, raccoons are the most common vector for the disease. Yeah. Um, Now. Yes. Uh, But for the most part, it's larger, slightly larger small mammals. Does that make sense? Yeah. Woodchucks, raccoons. Medium-sized mammals. (laughs) Medium-sized on the smaller side. Small to medium? A medium-sized mammal to me is like a, I guess a raccoon. Okay. Uh, and it takes a few months uh, for the disease to run its course in an animal, but the scary thing is it can lie dormant in humans for years. Right. Months or years. That's it's very just, scary. It's super scary. Yeah, because you guys don't realize this. Like, you think it's like frothing at the mouth or something. No, the rabies virus is one of the scariest viruses on the planet. It is. Um, so, like I said, saliva is the mode of transmission for most uh, rabies cases. And you can catch it very easily. Technically, if you had, like, an open wound and you, like, rubbed your finger where the open wound was, I guess I should have specified that earlier. Sure. uh, On the saliva of a rabid raccoon, you could easily catch rabies. Right, but that's an uncommon thing to do. You could also, if you um, took the brain of that raccoon and rubbed it on your open wound of your finger... You could also catch it. Even more uncommon. But if you came across a raccoon's poop that was rabid and you, and ate you it. took it and just rubbed it all over your hands to camouflage the scent of your hands. Probably the most uncommon. You would not catch rabies. <laughs> That's the good news. Yeah. It doesn't transfer in the feces or the uh, blood or the pee. Yeah, the urine. Pee. <laughs> the pee-pee. Uh, oh, man, it's been pee-fest at my house. You want a little quick side story? Sure. I changed the litter box uh, before I went to Birmingham, uh-huh. and four days later, we realized that I didn't put litter in the litter box. I emptied it, oh. put the lid back on, put it back in, uh-huh. rushed out of the door to drive to Birmingham, right. and four days later, we were like, our cats are sick because they're peeing on everything in the house. Emily went over, and she went, hey. Well, I won't say what she said. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't, hey, honey. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Guess what? There's a lake of urine in the litter box, and it's all your fault. Oh, man. So uh, we had to throw a lot of things away in our home that previously were working just fine. Man. And uh, I got the Dummy of the Year Award in our house. That's cool. You should Instagram that trophy. <laughs> dummy of the Year? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just, it's a tattoo now on my, on my lower back. Nice. Of Alfred E. Newman? 
So anyway, we, we've been in urine land. That is so gross. It is so gross, and cat pee is not. You know, it's it's tough to mask. So we're <laughs> yeah. we're really uh, our work especially is cut lakes out for us. of it. <laughs> Man, Yow. what a dummy. So uh, anyway, just uh, the moral of the story is litter is a very important part of the litter box. Yeah. So and luckily, if your cats are rabid, you wouldn't have caught anything from that. No, but I'm sure I have. Uh, what's it called? What's the cat disease from changing litter? Oh, uh, toxoplasmosis yeah, gondii. I'm sure I've had that for years. Sure. Um, it's why you do most of the things you do. That's right. So uh, it is a very adaptive disease. Um, and here's another scary thing, although it's it's not that scary because it's super, super rare. Yeah. But in laboratories, it has been transmitted through the air, aerosol transmission. And they have found one yeah. case where it actually happened in the wild, but... It was uh, a cave that had, like, m- tens of millions of infected bats, like, sneezing and coughing up their junk everywhere. Right. And in that case, uh, someone got rabies supposedly through, through like the air. I think, three people walked into the cave in Texas. But that that's, uh, again, uh, not something you need to worry about. Yeah. But humans can spread it, too. And, and remember, you can spread it through saliva, which means that if you are kissing... Especially kissing with tongue. French style. A uh, rabid person. And remember, it can take months, if not years, for the symptoms to set on. Um, You could conceivably catch rabies from that. You can also catch it as an STD uh, through sexual contact, they believe. Sure. This is the CDC theorizing at this point. There's no documented cases. Right. Um, And then you could also uh, conceivably catch it from like sharing a cigarette with somebody or drinking after somebody uh, using the same glass. Again, in theory. Any transmission of shared saliva. But here's the scariest one to me. Um, It has happened before where you get a a transplant of an organ, typically a corneal transplant, Mm -hmm. and get rabies that way. Yeah. It's like we, I, we accidentally gave you a cornea with rabies. Yeah. Sorry. And one of the problems, do you think, well, how could that possibly happen? Apparently, rabies is very hard to detect. Yeah. And the main places to detect it, remember, it doesn't show up in your blood or anything like that. Yeah, no, urine or feces. Is um, in the saliva and in the, uh, um, the brain. brain. Well, yeah, in the saliva, it's not even super accurate and it takes longer so for the past 40 years in the United States, the way they test for rabies if an animal has bit your child is they capture it and they cut its head off Yeah, and inspect the brain. Right. That's horrifying. It is. Uh, but unfortunately, like, necessary, I guess, if a raccoon bites your kid, off with the head. Maybe an animal lover out there who's a developing scientist will come up with a better Test. More accurate rabies test that will save the lives of thousands and millions of woodchucks around the world. But I wonder how many times they've been like, oh, thankfully no rabies. Yeah, no, I'm sure. But sorry, your head is cut off. Yeah, like imagine being the clinician who did that. It's got to bum you out. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Because it's like this thing's head was cut off because somebody thought it had rabies. Terrible. All right, so um, everybody um, knows through... Uh, popular culture and things like Old Yeller that the foaming of the mouth of a crazed-looking dog is a pretty good sign to stay clear. Right. But there are many other ways, uh, especially if they have the dumb form that you might not know. Yeah. Uh, and here are some of the symptoms. 
partially or fully paralyzed animal. Right. Uh, loss of appetite. Yeah. And a lot of these can be confused for other things because my dearly deceased dog Lucy probably ticked off about 90% of these. Well, she really liked PCP. <laughs> Strange behaviors like snapping at the air or turning in circles. Lucy did that. Uh, nocturnal animals who wander during the day. Um, like I said, if you see a raccoon walking around during the day, it's not a good sign. No. Drool excessively. Lucy drooled. Uh, wild animals who show no fear of humans. Uh, signs of pica, like eating things that aren't food. Lucy did that all the time. Yeah. Um, sporadic changes in mood or behavior, Lucy. Restless or aggressive, eh, no. Obviously disoriented, Lucy. Uh, and then a change in voice, which I thought was strange. She was like, Chuck, <laughs> how's it going? Uh, and generally it varies by region. So like maybe here in the South, raccoons, or maybe in another place it might be skunks largely right with well, the the animals that have it the most right um yeah but apparently in the united states it's raccoons for sure they have yeah. the most but the mode of transmission in the united states um comes through uh bats more frequently yeah that's the big the big daddy these days so if you get like a hundred bats and a hundred raccoons more raccoons are going to have rabies but you're more likely to catch rabies from a bat than a raccoon. Yeah, and why is that? Well, there's a few reasons. Bats can get into places that raccoons can't. Sure. Um, and uh, bats also have very tiny teeth. Yeah. Uh, and if you're sleeping in a room and you wake up and there's a bat in it, it's recommended that you kill that bat and take it in for rabies testing. Yeah. Um, or capture it alive again, so they can kill it. So then they can kill it for <laughs> yeah. you. They can do your dirty work for you. Um, but the the reason why is because a bat's teeth are so fine that y you can have been bitten in the night and it wouldn't have woken you up. You won't you won't know that you were bitten. Yeah. But you may have contracted rabies in that case. Yeah. See our excellent episode on bats. Yeah, which which that is was a sad good to one. say because they bats are wonderful. Yeah. Remember we just came like we, bat crazy over that one. Yeah. Very uh, bat friendly podcast yeah so don't, don't kill the bats as a matter of fact just look the other way if you see a bat in your room because <laughs> something bad's gonna happen to that bat uh if your dog uh we'll take a break after this but if your dog is potentially bitten by an animal you think might be rabid they will be isolated for 10 days mm -hmm. um and if they make it through that 10 days then you're home free uh if they don't sadly that means you have to go the old yeller route except these days it's much more humane well, I don't know about more humane, but they don't take it behind the barn and shoot it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I would call that more humane. Sure. But in, you know, rural Texas, they might be like, no, that's quick and easy and painless. Yeah. Just like the shot. <laughs> what, the lethal injection? Yeah, I don't know. I'm sure that's what they call it in Texas. Okay. All right, let's take a break then. I'm going to... Uh, get your stuff together? Get my stuff together, and we'll come back with more rabies. Something that makes me crazy is when people say, well, I had this career before, but it was a waste. And that's where the perspective shift comes, that it's not a waste that everything you've done has built you to where you are now. This is She Pivots. 
the podcast where we explore the inspiring pivots women have made and dig deeper into the personal reasons behind them. Join me, Emily Tish sussman every Wednesday on She Pivots as I sit down with inspiring women like Misty Copeland, Brooke Shields, Vanessa Hudgens, and so many more. We dive into how these women made their pivot and their mindset shifts that happened as a result. It's a podcast about women, their stories, and how their pivot became their success. Listen to She Pivots on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Big Take from Bloomberg News brings you what's shaping the world's economies with the smartest and best-informed business reporters around the world. Western nations like the U.S. and Europe. Mexico will likely have its first female president. And then you have China. And help you understand what's happening, what it means, and why it matters. He'll get his yo-yos to Europe in time. But the longer this drags on, the more worry he's getting. They knew that they needed to do this as fast as they possibly could to get a drug on the market as fast as they could. I'm David Gura. I'm Sarah Holder. I'm Saleya Mosin. We cover the stories behind what's moving money and markets. Basically, everyone was expecting, if not a calamity, certainly a recession. But the problem is that that paperwork, as our reporting showed, is fake. As someone who's covering the market, I'm often very worried about an imminent collapse. I'm thinking about it quite often. Listen to The Big Take on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Chuck, you ever been to Bali? Nope. You haven't? Neither have no. I. Okay. <laughs> well, Bali, um, like Hawaii and some other places around the world, is actually a, um, it was a rabies-free zone, a place where, like, no cases of rabies have been reported. Yeah. Uh, they're usually isolated, mm-hmm. which makes it hard to get rabies into. Yeah. And they usually also have some um, really top-notch governmental restrictions. Like if you try to take a dog in or out of Hawaii, yeah. it takes a very long time and a lot of paperwork. And one of the reasons why is because they don't want rabies coming into their to their state. Are you taking Momo to Hawaii? No, that's why. Yeah. She would be, but no. We she, basically she would get out of quarantine about the time we were leaving. Gotcha. So, um, but my in-laws moved, and they they took their uh, dogs with them, and moved like, to it Hawaii. Was a, yeah, it was a big deal. Yeah, I'm, I'm sure. But in Bali specifically, they were rabies free until 2008, and um, some dogs contracted rabies somehow and bit some people, and some people died, and it was a big deal. Oh, I'm sure they were like, oh, great. There goes our rabies-free designation. Yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. So oh, they, they can get it back, though, right? Well, yeah. Um, the government has been uh, eradicating aggressively the uh, rabies that was found on the island. And I'm not sure if they're doing this. I know they're doing a lot of euthanizing, or they did, in the affected areas. But in the United States, um, some wildlife services, they're leaving basically what amounts to like a high dose of um, oral rabies vaccine Yeah. as tasty bait out just out in the woods to try yeah. to like control rabies in the raccoon population apparently it doesn't harm humans or dogs too right the bait and the reason that they're doing this is because they saw what a great work what a great job at eradicating rabies among dogs in the united states yeah. is because it used to be that rabies in the u.s was very frequently transmitted by dogs and in a lot of the rest of the world um the dogs are still a major mode of transmission, right? Sure. But in the U.S., a, a rabies vaccination push 
among um, pets has really lowered that. Yeah. That in the in the dog population especially. Yeah, and push meaning laws. Sure. Um, I don't think it's in every state now, but I think most states now yeah. uh, require by law it's that you. It's pretty sensible. Yeah. If you have a pet, you should have a non rabid pet. Yeah, like who would say no, no, I don't. <laughs> I don't want my dog getting that rabies Fine Rand would say that. Probably so. Uh, this is the most recent stat we have. In 2006, um, 0.011% of all rabies cases in the United States were, uh, almost said feline, were canine. 11 thousandths of a percent. Yeah, so that's virtually nil. And I believe um, in 2006, that same year, not one case of rabies death came from an American dog. Not one case of human rabies death, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, 24% of all U.S. wildlife uh, rabies cases are bats. Yeah. Which led to, in 2006, um, two of the three rabies-related deaths were from bat transmissions, bat bites. Which yeah. is not good. Actually, let me... I spoke wrong. That it wasn't in 2006. It was only since 1995. Oh, gotcha. There has not been one case of death from an American dog. Man, so that's great. They've really kind of eradicated that here. That's right. But elsewhere in the the world, um, again, catching rabies from being bitten by a dog is still a real problem. As a matter of fact, the World Health Organization called rabies among neglected diseases. Yeah, one of the most, most neglected. One of the most neglected yeah. among neglected diseases. There's still 30,000 to 70,000 people who die every year. It's around one every 10 minutes yeah. from rabies That's in crazy. the developing world. Like, yeah. Think about that. In the United States, three people died in 2006. That was a bad year. Yeah, 70,000 people, as much as 70,000 people around the world are dying from rabies. And these... Uh, the countries that have these really high rabies mortality rates in humans are also the ones that usually have um, the least amount of money to uh, pay for inoculations yeah. and also, even further, have even less money to inoculate their dogs. Right. So there's a huge push right now among scientists to be like, um, rest of the world, you guys need to pay to eradicate rabies at least in the dog population around the world. Yeah. Do something. Uh, and uh, and also when you have that uh, rural uh, areas, they're not able to get to the clinics to receive those uh, regular inoculations. Yeah, because so Pasteur came up with the rabies vaccine and basically his technique has been only slightly altered over the years. Um, it's still a series of shots in the United States the, or the West. The ones that we have are five shots. In the o- arm. Over the course of a, a period of time. Yeah. And again, it's boosting your immunity slowly. And it's a very similar thing in the uh, – in uh, what did the guy in the, in the email say for the last, the last listener mail instead of developing world? Oh, uh, lower-income countries. In lower-income countries, um, the, they, they have a schedule as well. It's not all getting them at once. They have to boost your immunity. And you, it may not be something like driving down the street to the minute clinic – to get this stuff done, right. you may have to travel quite a ways and, again, miss some work. So it's a big problem. Yeah, um, you mentioned Pasteur's brilliant idea. He used the, it's called an attenuated uh, form of rabies. It's, it's weakened but still alive that he gathered from spinal cords of animals. Right. Uh, these days they kind of do the same thing, but it is uh, not a live form of the virus. It is a dead form of the virus, but like you said, the same idea 
is it will give you this slowly and before it reaches your spinal cord, ideally. That's a big one. Um, ideally, if you want to live, then you've <laughs> right. built up the immunity. Yeah. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, there are some, if you uh, have some extra dough in your pocket and want to help out some groups, there's um, a couple of groups that are working to eradicate rabies in low-income countries like RITA, Rabies in the Americas, and Rabies Free, rabies free World are both working to eradicate rabies elsewhere. Yeah, and if you have been bitten by a animal that you were worried about, um, I would just immediately, you know, if I got bitten by a squirrel or something, yeah. I would go to the doctor and just get it checked out, yeah. obviously, immediately. You don't walk that one off. But here are some, <laughs> just, oh, it's a little sting. Oh, well. <laughs> Let's just see what happens. Yeah, like, uh, the, like the man who castrated himself and then sat down to dinner. In the 19th century, remember we talked about him? Oh, yeah. He read his Bible and then ate dinner and then then went to the doctor. Right. <laughs> Here are some of the symptoms in humans. Humans? Human beings. Not human beings? I vary it. Are uh, you rabid? Stomach pain. That's a change in personality right there. <clears throat> anxiety. I'm also biting at the air. <laughs> uh, stomach pains, anxiety, restlessness, fever. Do you have any of those? Nope. Increased aggression, sore throat, uh, excessive saliva. Hallucinations, delirium. If that's happening, you you are really like should go to the doctor. Yeah. Coma, sporadic <laughs> pulse. At that point, you should have someone take <laughs> you to the doctor. And then something called hydrophobia, which we should cover. That used to be a word for rabies. Like you could say that person has rabies, or you could say that person has hydrophobia, and it used to mean the same thing. And what and why? What's the deal with hydrophobia? It's a it's an intense, unreasonable fear of water that develops. From rabies symptoms, apparently. Yeah, because I think drinking is, uh, you have a very violent, painful spasms and responses to trying to swallow water. Right. And so you become fearful of water. That's crazy. Which is. is really, really sad because you're drooling and you're producing tons of saliva, but you also are just dying of thirst, yeah. basically. But if you do drink anything, the, the pain from the, your throat muscles contracting is so bad that you will just not drink. You would just rather not drink anything, yeah. and, and apparently you become fearful of even the concept of drinking, so you get scared of water. That's also because your brain is deteriorating at a rapid rate. Man. But yeah, this is not fun. This is not nice stuff. And, and again, for years and years and years and years, up until like the last few years, I think, the, the common conventional wisdom was if you... If rabies got to your central nervous system, yep. bye-bye. Yeah. We might as well old yellow you because you're not going to survive and you're going to die. One of the worst deaths we could think of. Yeah. Uh, and it wasn't until 2004. When Is this it, the lucky lady? Yeah, Gina, Gina Geis. I thought you were going to say Gina Gershon. No. It's like, oh, that's what happened to her. Gina Geis. <laughs> she was a girl, a teenager in Wisconsin who was um, bitten by a bat, I think. And some doctor said, um, you're a goner, yeah. but I'm not going to give up on you, Gina. No way, no how. <laughs> uh, sleep now, baby. I'm going to put you in a, a, a coma. <laughs> and he put her in a medically induced coma, and it was enough so that her body was able to fight off the, um, the rabies infection. Amazing. So she survived the rabies infection without being inoculated previously. Yeah. And um, apparently without the inoculation being given to her in a rapid enough time. Right. So she literally survived a rabies infection. And now they call that procedure the Milwaukee Protocol. And it saved five more people's lives. 
The mil- they call it that? Yeah. And there was a study in Peru. Uh-huh. And, uh, in the Andes, a lot of uh, Peruvian groups live near bats. Sure. They have to deal with bats. Yeah. And apparently, some Peruvians have developed immunity to rabies. Oh, wow. And Just by they, being around them? they documented, I think, about a dozen Peruvians who survived rabies without any inoculations. Wow. So they're saying, okay, this isn't a 100% fatal disease. We can work with that. But so it's, it's like it's, really big gangbusters news as far as It's almost like a natural concerned. inoculation that's happening, though. The same idea, right? They're getting exposed to it gradually. I don't know. I don't know if, that would if make sense, these right? people have been bitten before or if some sort of inoculation was passed down to them uh, through heredity. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I don't, I'm not sure. Like, Grandpappy was strong against the rabies. Right. So I am. Right. That's how genes work. All right. From 1950s to the roughly mid-1980s, uh, the horror stories were true. You did get, like, Upwards of 20 to 23 shots in the belly, in the abdomen, to treat rabies. Uh, With big needles, right? Yeah, that was not an old wives' tale. It was a very painful procedure. Um, I tried to find out why it was done in the belly, and the only thing I could find is completely unsubstantiated. But (laughs) makes sense. Apparently, after you start having these shots, um, somewhere between 10 and 20, you start having really bad reactions and inflammation. Uh Uh-huh. And but you need to give them in the same area, so the belly was the largest part well, that makes sense. of the body that you could still find a place to give the injection. Right. So I don't know if that's true or not. That makes it, sense. It definitely does. Uh, and we have to mention Ozzy Osbourne. What biting the head off a bat? Yeah. It wasn't a live bat, you know. Well, there's different stories. Uh, he Ozzy's, swears up and down it wasn't a live. No, no, bat. no. He swears it was alive oh. because he felt the head moving in his mouth. Oh, other people have said that it wasn't alive. The fan that threw the bat on stage said it was dead. Uh Ozzy's Ozzy. Right. He's like, it was alive. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good Ozzy. Uh, Thank you. But that is not an old why. He also bit the head off a pigeon at a party. But um, he thought the bat was a toy, apparently, did bite the bat's head, and did get those injections Uh as a preventative measure. But he did not ever contract rabies. Smart. Um, and this, you know, who knows? It's also called a, a legend in some circles. So, But I, th- I think it really happened. It's you, documented. While I was researching this, I was like, wow, I am not inoculated against rabies. Maybe I should just go ahead and do that. That'd be kind of neat to be like, go ahead and bite me, raccoon, you crazy raccoon. I'm fine. And then you could continue your ongoing battle with your squirrels, your porch, yeah. porch deck squirrels. No, the squirrels won. I had to take down the bird feeder. You just gave up. No, the condo complex was like, you're not allowed to have those. They attract squirrels. I'm like, yeah, no doubt they Uh, attract squirrels. I know. So I said, all right, it's fine. You got anything else? Nope. Rabies, if you want to know more about it, type that word into the search bar at HowStuffWorks.com, R-A-B-Y-S, and it will bring up this uh, awesome article. (laughs) I know, I know. I'm just teasing. Do you want me to spell it correctly? Really not spelled that way. R-A-B-I-E-S. That's right. All right, uh, did you say the... Oh, and since I misspelled something, it's time for listener mail. Uh, I'm going to call this um, cringeworthy experience. Oh, God. Why did we ask for these? Hey, guys. I've been listening for a couple of years, writing for the first time to tell you a compelling story about the time my dad's eyeball fell out of his head. (laughs) (laughs) Perhaps I should say it was forced out of his head. It takes place before I was born. Uh, but the way he tells it, it will make you hesitant to go water skiing. 
See, my dad was a mob enforcer in Las Vegas. <laughs> in particular, you wouldn't want to let your uh, your body or your face become parallel to the water surface when you're going around a bend in the uh. river. So, when that happens, you could experience what happened to my dad. His face skimmed the water, and the force of that caused his eyeball to pop right out of his head. Oh, my God. It's stuff that urban legends are made of. So, there my dad is in, in excruciating pain, treading water with his eyeball in the palm of his hand. <laughs> if you're ever so lucky as to have your eyeball outside of your head, hope that it's still attached like my dad's eyeball was. Can you imagine he got river water in his eye socket? <laughs> oh, my God. He forced it back into his eye socket, and there was nothing else he could do at that crucial moment. As I understand it, he never went to see a doctor. <laughs> and his eye has been turned at a 45-degree angle ever since. <laughs> his name is John Rambo. That is crazy. Uh, she said he was relieved uh, six months later while uh, the white static he was seeing slowly started to return, uh, and he had normal vision once again. Uh, that's outcome bias. If I've ever seen it, cringe. If you experience any squeamish feelings, I consider it a story well told. Yeah, well, well told story then. That is from uh, Lena or Lina in uh, California. For California, yay. Boy, I don't know. Her dad has made of some tough stuff if he did not <laughs> yeah. go to a doctor. He's like Hiro Unada or would, uh, Simo Haya. Yeah. Crazy. So uh, somebody else wrote in and got me um, about having to get shots like up their nose Ugh. that one got me too so whoever wrote in with that one hats off well at least this guy uh, got a great nickname out of it old river water socket jimmy yeah the mouthful <laughs> uh if you have a cringeworthy story keep it to yourself send us something else in via tweet to sysk podcast or join us on facebook.com uh, slash stuff you should know Send us an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. And as always, join us at our home on the web, stuffyoushouldknow.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. As important as choosing the right destination when traveling is choosing the right travel partner. Gene! Gene Fodor! Gene was wounded! But be careful, because the worst trips result when two partners have two different agendas. The CIA really need your help, Gene. Freeze, Americano! Gene! Run! Listen to Fodor's Guide to Espionage on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to level up your marketing and business knowledge, look no further than the Marketing School Podcast, hosted by Neil Patel and yours truly, Eric Su. It is the number one marketing podcast on Apple and number 15 on business in the United States. Now, if you want to listen to interesting conversations with operators that have been there, done that, also with other interesting guests, then listen to Marketing School every weekday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.